Agnes and Gideon Sotole were high school sweethearts. They were married for decades and had four children in the KwaZulu-Natal province in South Africa. That's in the eastern part of the country, and its savanna is home to big game like rhinos and lions. But the idyllic life the two had didn't last. Gideon had a wandering eye and began cheating on his wife, Agnes, who was Catholic and didn't want to remarry. About a decade ago, Gideon moved into a spare bedroom without any explanation. By 2016, they were no longer on speaking terms. One day, people from the bank came to inspect their house, and when Agnes asked them why they were there, all they would say was, Gideon knows. And then a few months later, Agnes says a relative visited her. She said, are you aware that Gideon is selling the house? I said, no, I'm not. Are you serious? She said, yes, I am. He is selling the house. I even asked what is going to happen to you. He said he doesn't care what happens to you, but he is selling the house. Gideon not only wanted a divorce, he also wanted to sell the house, collect all the money for himself, and evict Agnes. And then I said to myself, okay, let me go and look for help. I'm not working. I don't have money. I went to some institutions that can help. But everybody told me, no, we can't help you. You are married out of community of property. What he's doing is within his rights. There's no way you can help you. Agnes was married, quote, out of community of property, which was the law for black couples during apartheid. So what this basically meant was that assets created during a marriage were not shared or in community property. Because of this law, Gideon could effectively kick Agnes to the curb. That is until she decided to take down the whole system. On today's episode of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, a series from Foreign Policy, we're looking at how reforming marital rights could be the biggest first step towards gender equality. I'm Rena Nainen. Before we get back to Agnes, I want to share how we heard about her case in the first place. The World Bank's Women, Business, and Law Project ranks 190 economies every year for how well their policies are for gender equality, looking at laws affecting women in the workplace, parenthood, entrepreneurship, and marriage, among others. And interestingly, they claim South Africa has made the third most progress of any country in the world over the last 50 years. Why? The short answer is feminists were fighting for women's rights and racial justice. And where there shall be meaningful participation in a democratic process in a government for all its people. The movement to end apartheid really helped propel women's rights there in a big way. New laws allowed married women to sign legally binding contracts, register businesses, and open bank accounts without consent. The movement also spawned a new generation of civil rights lawyers. Sharita Samuel was one of them. These days, she works with the Legal Resources Center, or LRC, in Durban. And as Sharita explains, right before the end of apartheid, an amendment to a law allowed black married couples the ability to change their status to, quote, be in community of property or have shared assets. So in 1988, the Matrimonial Property Act was enacted. And what it offered was limited and we thought quite inadequate protection because it said that you have the option to change your marriage, but you only have two years within which to do it. 
So you know how in the West, we take it for granted that in a divorce, the two sides split their assets in half or equitably. This amendment in South Africa to the Matrimonial Property Act in 1988 meant that the 50-50 split only kicked in for black couples if you opted into the law and only if you did that within the first two years after the act passed. Otherwise, the husband retained property rights. This brings us back to Agnes Sutole, who you heard from at the top. There was virtually no communication by the apartheid government to inform Black couples like Agnes and Gideon about this new amendment. Plus, many husbands did not want to agree to the change. Because of all this, hundreds of thousands of women in South Africa were shut out and legally remained out of community of property in their marriages and divorce. That included Agnes. Thankfully, Agnes ended up finding a lawyer who wanted to argue her case, Sharita Samuel. Freedom on paper is not really going to give us uh, anything. We, we, we have to allow it to translate to change people's lives. A few weeks ago, I spoke to both of them from Sharita's office in Durban. The more I talked to them, the more it became clear that the two were really a great team. And in fact, Sharita got Agnes's case all the way up to the Constitutional Court. That's the highest court in South Africa. Kind of like the South African Supreme Court. And as Agnes explained after their first meeting, Sharita gave Agnes a list of documents to recover. We made an appointment when I came. She said, I don't know if we'll be able to produce all the papers that will be needed. So there's a lot of things that will be needed in this case. I said, I don't have anything. What do you want? She said, first of all, go to the bank. Have you got anything from the bank to show that uh, you bought the house? No, we didn't buy the house, but there is some money that we borrowed, both of us, at the bank. And then she said, he said, go to the bank and see what you can get there. When I went to the bank, he had been to the bank before me to stop anybody from giving me anything. Wow. When I went to the bank, they said, no, you are not the owner. We need the owner of the house to get the, the, those documents that we are looking for. Maybe nobody thought I had what all the papers, that the documents they wanted. My house was buggered at in December. All the documents were stolen. So I thought I had nothing in the house. And then when I went home, in the middle of the night, I thought, okay, everything is gone. But there were some papers in my kist. Let me go and check there. Everything they wanted was there. Whoever buckled it in my, into my house stole the wrong documents. The, the documents, the new documents, let me put it like that. All the old documents were sitting nicely in the kist. That's how I got them. Wow, what a story. Now, Sharita, you've worked on women's rights cases for a very long time. Can you explain to us why Mrs. Sitole's husband was able to evict his own wife? That's what Mr. Sitole tried to do. That's what he believed he could do. We started off this matter in the domestic violence court, where Mr. Sitole had filed an application for a protection order. 
And when we went to court, we were told by the magistrate that actually Mr. Satole does have the right to actually sell the house and Ms. Satole cannot claim financial or economic abuse because they are married out of community of property. So walk me through, before you got to the South African Supreme Court, what transpired? What happened? Before we got to the Constitutional Court, we had to bring an application in the division where Ms. Satole and where Mr. Gideon Satole lived, and that is the jurisdiction of the Durban High Court. What we were trying to do was to declare Section 21.2 of the Matrimonial Property Act as unconstitutional because of the fact that it discriminated between African married couples and all other races in South Africa. And we felt that there was no reasonable explanation for a discrimination of that sort. Agnes, I want to ask you, your case made it all the way to the South African Supreme Court. What was that like for you? It was hard. Going to court is not an easy thing because we don't know what will come out of it. And besides, there was this fear because I, don't, I didn't know what he was going to do to me just maybe to end the case because I knew if I wasn't there anymore, there was not going to be any case. So I was fearing for my life. It was hard. It was hard. Agnes, what were you scared of the most in this process? My life. Your life? My life, yes. Why? When somebody doesn't like you anymore and when somebody has got some influences from outside, you don't know what he, he, he might think. He might think this is the best way to, to end the courts. I'm sure he was tired himself of going to the courts. There was going to be one way of ending it. But I wasn't going to get out of my house. You're listening to The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. We'll be right back. Let's face it, money is the one subject we all need to deal with, but no one actually wants to talk about. The good news is there's a podcast helping you learn everything about money no one taught you. Meet Everyone's Talking Money, hosted by me, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money and just helps you get in a better relationship with your money no matter what your goals are. Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, a production of Foreign Policy. I'm Rena Nainan. I'm talking with Agnes Sibole and her lawyer, Sharita Samuel, about Agnes's fight to make marital law equal for Black women in South Africa. It's a fight Sharita brought all the way to the highest court in South Africa. So as you were approaching the South African Supreme Court, how confident were you that they would rule in Agnes's favor. We felt better after we won the first round in the Durban High Court because Judge Madondo handed down a very powerful judgment. He recognized the equality argument. He accepted our arguments that it was discriminatory to Ms. Sitole, and he 
in no uncertain terms said that Section 21.2 of the Matrimonial Property Act of 1984 needs to be declared unconstitutional, that it was perpetuating the discrimination that had been introduced by the Black Administration Act and that in effect, in substance, equality had not been realized. By the time our council stood up before the justices of the Constitutional Court, we were quite certain that our equality argument was sound in law and on facts. And we had the best legal minds to present that argument to that court. So Agnes, then in April 2021, the South African Supreme Court ruled in your favor. You won, making all marriages, quote, in community of property by default. It finds Section 21-2A of the Matrimonial Property Act to be unfairly discriminatory and that such discrimination is not justifiable under Section 36 of the Constitution. This court has so first, Agnes, when you heard that the South African Supreme Court ruled in your favor, what was that moment like? Maybe I'm the kind of a person, I, I get a lot of mixed feelings. I, it's, it was like I didn't understand what the court was saying until Sharita phoned to say congratulations. And then it's only then when I understood that I won the case. But at the court, I didn't think, I didn't know what's going on. I thought I was waiting for the constitutional court until you told me that, no, you have already won the case then it's only then that I got happy. Sharita, what does Agnes's win in the South African Supreme Court mean in the eyes of the law for black women? It means that they have now achieved the default community of property. Statistically, we say over 400,000 women that were similarly placed in our province that were affected by the law. So they are all married in community of property now, which means that on divorce or death, they secure a minimum of 50% of whatever is in that marital property regime. What it does mean is that properties cannot be sold from under their feet. It means that the relatives of the other partner or the spouse or the husband are not able to evict them. They will have security of tenure. They will have dignity. Uh, they will hopefully have the means to um, go on with their lives without that uh, perpetual dependence on the male members of their households. It means that uh, they will have agency. They, if there are some assets in that estate, they can decide how they want to live the rest of their lives, how they want to manage their properties. It means, most importantly, that women have the right to acquire and own and control property, which they didn't have in marriage before. And that is a significant thing for that generation of women, such as Ms. Sitole, because apartheid law meant that they didn't have the same opportunities for education. They did not have the same employment opportunities. So we are we are forever grateful to Ms. Sitole that she had the courage to walk this journey over four years. And it was a very difficult journey for her in her circumstances. Mr. Sitole represented threats in different forms to her safety and her well-being, but she walked that road. 
she has brought about a change that really has consequences not just for the women directly affected, but for many families, for many children, mm. for many households and for many communities. Agnes, what does it mean that you won not only for yourself, but for so many other women and families? It means a lot to me. And I'm so grateful to LRC because without them, I couldn't have done anything. I couldn't have won the case. I couldn't even, I, because I didn't even know what is it that I wanted, that what would happen. And, um, but I know of so many friends of mine that were victims of this law that came out of their houses with the suitcases only. So it meant a lot to me. Agnes, I understand that your husband apologized to you two days before he passed away from COVID. What did he tell you? How did that make you feel? I felt sorry for him. I felt very sorry for him. He called me two days before he died to hospital. He was in hospital. He, he wanted to thank me. We were not in talking terms for years, but that day I just decided, let me go and hear what he wants to say. He said he's, he's very grateful that I was there for him when he was sick. He said what I did for him, he doesn't think he would have done for me because of the way what he did to me. And... Um, said, I'm a great mother. I took care of his children when he wasn't not there for them. I schooled them. He was crying. I was telling Sharita. He said he's sorry. He's sorry for everything. If only he could get two days, maybe to God, if God can give him two days to stand up and walk. He wanted to change most of the things, but now the time is short. And then I said to him, okay, let's let bygones be bygones. He said, I can't go away now. It's time that I go away, but I can't. That's why I wanted to see you, to say I'm sorry. That was it. Ultimately, Agnes, what did you learn from this experience? Maybe I can say perseverance is the mother of success because I persevered the, 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 the hard marriage. I persevered the pain. I persevered the case itself can say perseverance is the mother of success. <laughs> what a great quote. You're absolutely right. Sharita, what did you learn from this experience? For me, what it has taught me is that we can never let our guard down, which is why now we are uh, supporting the law of, uh, South African Law Reform uh, Commission's work in overhauling that Matrimonial Property Act. It's a pre-constitution um, piece of law. It is outdated. It does not serve the interests of families and women and children particularly. The way that it is being interpreted by the courts is not very helpful to women. And it's only when you get a very brave person who, who smells the symptoms of this discrimination and seeks to redress in terms of it that it alerts other people. And so it has taught me that it is a long fight ahead, but that when we work together as women, 
yeah, when we stand together with like-minded people in the public interest sector, when we are heard by judges and by courts that actually understand what the provisions of our constitution mean, then there is hope for us. That was Agnes Atole and her lawyer, Sharita Samuel. The two of them helped more than 400,000 women in South Africa finally have equal marital rights. And a big thank you to the World Bank's Women, Business, and the Law Project, which wrote about Agnes's story and gave us the idea for this episode. As much as the fight for equal marriages can help women economically, there's another big area that may be even more instrumental for female financial independence— property rights. On the next episode, we go to Kenya and talk to a woman named Rachel Career. Her husband was drinking a lot, spent their money, jeopardized their children's school fees. So Rachel decided to move back home. Her father owned a lot of land. But when Rachel wanted a small piece of it to support herself, her brothers not only tried to evict Rachel, unfortunately a common theme this season, they also fought with her so intensely that she went to jail. I was jailed four times. My father always went there to get me out of jail. He also promised me that I was going to stay home and I would keep my piece of land. More on Rachel's fight for property rights next week. Well, that does it for today's show, The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. It's a production of Foreign Policy and is made possible through funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. If you like what you're hearing, we hope you subscribe and write us a review. It really does help us spread the word about what we're doing. The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women is hosted by me, Rena Ninen. Laura Rosbrow Tellum is our senior producer. Rob Sachs is our managing director. Foreign Policy's audio team includes Rosie Julin, Megan Cattell, Anissa Pazeshki, Simone Perez, and Dan Efron. Special thanks this week to Nisha Rekapudi and Natalia Mazzoni Silva Martins who wrote the World Bank report that gave us the idea for this episode. And a big thanks to producer Elna Schultz, who flew out from Johannesburg all the way to Durban just to record the interview with Agnes and Sharita. Thank you. We'll be back with more in your feed next week.